It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. You know, C.S. Lewis was one of the most renowned uh, Christian authors and theological minds of the 20th century, influencing generations of Christians with writings like Mere Christianity and fictional stories like the Narnia Chronicles. But one of the few stories ever told in detail is the one about his conversion from a staunch atheist to a Christian. The story is being told, though, in a new film released in theaters a few weeks ago and will be available uh, soon um, in various ways, I think on demand in a few weeks as well. It's called The Most Reluctant Convert, and it's based on a play written by actor Max McLean, who has adapted a few other of Lewis's famous books like Screwtape Letters and The Great Divorce. Uh, Max also plays C.S. Lewis in the film and joins me now. Welcome, Max. Hey, Lauren. Good to hear your voice. It's good to hear your voice. I'm so used to kind of hearing your voice because I know you do a lot of the scripture readings. Uh, I do. For, uh, the, some of the Tim Keller sermons and some of the 90s and uh, the early, I guess you still do, but I mean, it's, it's still there. I mean, if, if anybody goes and listens to some of the Tim Keller sermons, you might hear Max McLean actually reading scripture. Um, yes. What's interesting about it, you were the founder and artistic director of the New York City-based Fellowship for the Performing Arts. Um, this is an organization that produces films and, and theater works from a Christian worldview. And, and just tell me, why is that important to you? Well, you know, out of the uh, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and uh, and the Christian worldview is a very specific worldview uh, that is uh, distinct from a postmodern secular worldview, which is uh, which is it it it's practically atheistic in the sense that that the the idea of the supernatural in a uh, in a moral sense. Uh, that God and the God of the universe entered into our created world uh, and came out again, pulling us up with Him. You know, meaning that there is another world, and that is where we come from. Is a very specific worldview that doesn't really get much time uh, in uh, in uh, contemporary theater and film. So we we wanted to focus on you that. know not only not, not only go ahead yeah. No, I'm just saying, not only does it not get any time, not only does it not get any time, but it's actually uh, probably, um, you know, debased in many ways in, in, in modern film. Yeah, you know, the uh, pie in the sky, uh, by and by, that that sort of thing. It, you know, that we, uh, 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 we're, you know, we're so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good is kind of the... Uh, uh, the the distinct feeling, but but the thing is, the other worldview uh, essentially says everything is locked uh, in the here and now. If you can't, if it's not empirical, it doesn't exist, and and that leads. And this film actually discusses that. If you have an empirical view of the world, uh, that that leads to nothing beyond death as far as we know, and, and everything else is speculative and revelation is not allowed. So uh, we, we wanted to make films with a view that often is not uh, 
covered, or if it is covered, it's in a very small uh, little uh, enclave, uh, and, and we want it to, to be in the mainstream. Yeah, I mean, you're an award-winning actor. Um, you are a great actor. Um, and did you ever kind of think you'd want to get into sort of the secular world, some of these big films that are being produced? Because you're certainly uh, capable uh, in terms well, of you know, you, you you know, the top sport, obviously. Well, thank you, Lauren. Um, you know, early early on, uh, I'm an adult convert to Christianity. And, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit really grabbed me. Uh, and, and so very early on, I wanted to integrate my faith with my work. And so that's been a very, that's been a guiding principle mm. from the beginning. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I did start out in, uh, uh, in sort of traditional, uh, the- theater and, and I just found it not to be, uh, it wasn't good for my soul. Uh, you know, and I, I, came to the conclusion mm-hmm. you, you cannot serve two masters. So I decided to really focus my attention on creating work that I wanted to do, that that spoke to the worldview that I wanted to address. So it ended up doing, what I ended up doing was just creating my own material and finding an audience for it. And, and I've been doing that for almost 40 years now. It's incredible. And, and I, we've seen some of the plays, Screwtape Letters, The Great Divorce. I mean, they were just wonderful plays. My husband and I actually saw the movie, The Most Reluctant Convert, last weekend. It was fascinating. And you realize what an incredibly keen mind C.S. Lewis had. And then you know this from his writings, but honestly, from listening to you speak as C.S. Lewis and the words he was using and the depth of his ability to debate, um, which makes his conversion all the more amazing. What is it that drew you to telling to his story, this particular story of C.S. Lewis? Yes. Uh, well, you, you mentioned earlier that w- we did uh, the Screw Tape Letters and uh, the Great Divorce. Uh, both of those uh, reflect aspects of of his early Christian conversion or right after and the struggles he had with Christianity. In a, in a certain sense, they're both about spiritual warfare. In the Screw Tape Letters, uh, he is reflecting on his battles with temptation uh, and, and how that kept him from growing in the faith. Uh, I mean, even though it's a fantasy mm-hmm. novel, uh, the, uh, the source material is his own personal experiences. Uh, uh, you know, he... Uh, he, he used his own uh, struggles. Um, and in The Great Divorce, uh, which is kind of the flip side of Screwtape, uh, he's dealing with spiritual warfare from the heavenly perspective in that, you know, we're all given a conscience to follow. And uh, the dictates of the conscience uh, is how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, quite frankly, and how we, uh, how we avoid it, how we don't listen to it, uh, how we... Uh, make uh, excuses and uh, try to get ourselves off the hook from, you know, giving reasons why we don't do what we ought to do. Uh, and so Lewis was very clear on both sides that they're both uh, uh, deadly. You know, it's all because our, our, the essence of who we are uh, is one mm-hmm. who makes choices uh, you know, every day we have the opportunity to make hundreds of choices. And when you consider uh, 
hundreds of choices in, in days, you know, thousands, weeks, millions, years, and over the course of a lifetime, that part, that thing in us that chooses changes every time we make a choice to either a more uh, heavenly creature or a more hellish creature. And so Lewis, that's that's Lewis's big point uh, in so much of his writing. And, and so I wanted to get mm-hmm. back to his own personal story because that's, that's his source material. And he wrote a memoir called Surprised by Joy. And so I spent a year in that book. I actually transcribed it. Uh, so I could follow his thought patterns, you know, from mm. A to B, C, and that was the uh, uh, that was the source and the reason for this movie. You know, you um, in you, in the beginning of the movie, you know, because he's all throughout. He's you know, kind of the narrator. Is you are the narrator playing C.S. Lewis. You hear him give all the arguments against the existence of God, against Christianity, and all those we hear today from prominent atheists like Richard Dawkins. Um, but what made the difference for Lewis? Um, yeah, that he converted. Yeah, uh, you know, he 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 had a he had a rough life. He lost his mother to cancer when he was nine. Uh, he prayed uh, for her healing, uh, and God didn't answer his prayers, so he uh, he assumed that prayer doesn't work. Uh, I think that's a that, that's an experience that is repeated constantly. Um, you know, we we don't understand God's larger yeah. plan, so we just assume that it's not of any import. Uh, he had a bad relationship with his father. Uh, that's pretty normalized in everyday life. Uh, he did experience the mm-hmm. butchery of trench warfare in World War One, and so, given all the you know the sum of these experiences, you know he came to the conclusion that either there's no God behind the universe, a God that's indifferent to good and evil, or worse, an evil God. Uh, and so that was the starting point of of his journey, and I think that's a starting point for many people's journey. Uh, but he, he met some very interesting friends at Oxford in his university days. Uh, Owen Barfield comes to mind, and he's in the, in the movie, uh, and, and particularly J.R.R. Tolkien. And over the course of years, they, right. uh, they moved him uh, from atheism to Christianity. And, and, uh, and, and really, the bottom line argument is that his argument against God was that the universe is cruel and unjust. And I think a lot of people might say that's true. But then he asked this question, or his friends you know, pointed this out, but where does he get this notion of cruel and unjust? You know, you call a line crooked because you have some idea of a straight line. So what is he comparing this right. universe with when he calls it cruel and unjust? You know, if the universe has no meaning, we'd never know it has no meaning. Um, and then he, you know, he figures out later that Christianity doesn't solve the problem of evil and suffering. It creates it because evil and suffering would not be a problem unless we have some expectation that ultimate reality is righteous and good. Um, you know, because if ultimate reality is only the accidental results of physics and biochemistry, our day-to-day experiences of evil and suffering, of injustice and wickedness, is simply the natural byproduct of an arbitrary, capricious universe. And so this kind of was a wow moment for Lewis. Uh, And that brought him to theism in a general sense, you know, kind of the God of the philosophers. Uh, But then as he got deeper into it, the moral law, 
he he uh, he 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 began he he had a belief in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, the God of Moses, like the burning bush, the God who's a consuming fire, uh, and that led him to the belief that he owed his allegiance to God. But he could not come to terms with Jesus. He did not. He had no idea why. Um, mm why uh, the life and death of someone else 2,000 years ago could help him here and now. And and what turned him there was some very provocative conversations with J.R.R. Tolkien, which I'm, you know, I'm happy to get into if you're interested. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the Tolkien relationship is key in his conversion to Christianity. And many people might know that name because he was the author and creator of The Lord of the Rings. And, yeah. and to understand that relationship lasted through most of their adult life. Um, am I, am I under, am I, I got that right? That the, this relationship was actually very, very keen uh, between and, him very and, fruitful. and Tolkien. Yeah. And, and also, um, and if, and there was one other gentleman too, that was part of their, their, their sort of, you know, coffee clutch. Um, yeah. Their inklings are uh, called. Yeah. Right. And, um, it's it's it really explains the importance of relationships, but also just the whole idea of like talking through your argument and your debates. Um, I want to take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about really why it's called the most reluctant convert, um, because it's very it's very interesting um, when uh, that whole um, that whole title. We'll be right back on Lighthouse Faith Podcast in just a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Okay, we're back with actor Max McLean, who is the creator and founder of the um, uh, Fellowship for Performing Arts. It is uh, an arts organization that really produces... Uh, film and theater with a Christian worldview. And their latest offering is a film that is out now called The Most Reluctant Convert. And it's the story of C.S. Lewis and his conversion to Christianity. Um, I want to ask you, Max, why do you call him the most reluctant convert? Yes. Well, that's what he called himself. (laughs) That's what he called himself, Mm. you know. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, you know, when uh, when he finally uh, was confronted not with the God of, uh, not with Jesus, but with what I would say, the, the God of the Bible, the God of the Jews, the God of Moses, uh, the God of the burning bush. Uh, he, he realized that uh, uh, he had to uh, give in. And he said, you know, on uh, hmm. the Trinity term, 1929, uh, he said, uh, uh I gave in, knelt, and prayed, perhaps that night, the most dejected, reluctant convert in all England. (laughs) You know, it was like he did not want (laughs) Christianity to be true. You know, a lot of people argue, oh, you know, Christianity is too good to be true. And his position at the the threshold Mm -hmm. of Christianity was, uh, you know, many people wanted it to be true. I, I was desperately hoping it was not. He said that was at least my conscious wish, and he says, and he thought the notion that uh, that uh, you know all atheists are brave men who have uh, defeated 
who have accepted the defeat of their deepest desires is nonsense. He said, do you think Stalin or Hitler would be pleased to find that they're not their own master, that they have a master and a judge, that there's nothing in the deepest recesses of their thoughts in which they could say, keep out, private, this is my business? Do you really? (laughs) He said, rats. Their reaction would be as mine was, (laughs) rage and terror. Because he said, all I ever wanted was not to be interfered with, to to call my soul my own. He said, keep out, private, this is my business. So that's that's why he was so reluctant, you know. He, he you know, and, and we all understand that, you know. Uh, we don't want to follow God; we want to follow ourselves. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, and th- those of us who admit it, yes, absolutely. You know, the, it reminds me of what the Apostle Paul talks about in his letter to the Romans, that everyone knows there's a God, but many yeah. people, in, in atheists particular, but many people who are str- suppress the truth. I mean, for various reasons. Yeah, but and and, and the main, of course, is to be their own god, right? And the and the consequences of that is are, are extraordinary because by suppressing the truth, you know, you you darken your heart and you exchange the truth of God for a lie, <laughs> and that's you know, and that's yes. the, the that's the cent- I mean, that's the central uh, thesis of modern contemporary culture. I want to go back to this whole relationship with J.R.R. Tolkien because yes. um, Lord of the Rings has become so popular, of course, because of the films um, that were released. I mean, it was just these blockbuster films of Lord of the Rings. And it, I mean, it's just interesting because his, you know, he's, he struggled so much over these books and, you know, he wasn't as prolific as C.S. Lewis, but he, but this, but these books, uh, that uh, Lord of the Rings became such a, it was they're so deep and, and so thick with ideas. Mm-hmm. But what was what was the it was this relationship with Tolkien and it was Tolkien's debate with him that in particular that brought him over to Christianity. What was yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, well. Uh, they, there's a very famous uh, moment in in their relationship in in September 1931, uh, and and you know they were they they met and talked and debated constantly uh, about big ideas, about religion, about medieval literature, about language. Um, and, uh, uh, and certainly about mythology. That was a, mm-hmm. a huge part of their, uh, their shared uh, intellectual experience. And uh, in one of those conversations, uh, Lewis admitted to, to Tolkien that he, you know, uh, after uh, great reluctance, uh, uh, I've come to believe in God, but mm. not in Christ. He said, I, I do not understand how the life and death of someone else 2000 years ago could help us here now. Uh, and so Tolkien began at a very interesting starting point, but a starting point that they shared. Mm. And that was mythology. So he he said, you know, when you meet a god, and there's and and the the the, the central thesis is that the that Jesus was part of the dying god myth, you know, which is mm-hmm. related to agriculture, related to the the seasons and the harvest that the seed must die to be born, and so so uh, so that was uh, the fruit of so many mythological stories, right? And, right, and and Jesus was just one of those. That's is basically the background to it, and uh, 
the Jesus myth was just one of those. And, uh, you know, Tolkien said that when you meet a god sacrificing himself in a pagan story, such as Dionysius, Balder, Balder the Beautiful is dead, is dead, uh, uh, Osiris, uh, Adonis, he's, he, uh, Tolkien says to Lewis, you like it very much. And, and are mysteriously moved by it, provided you meet it anywhere except in the Gospels. And that kind of woke Lewis up a little bit. And, and then he continues, he said, the story of Christ, this is Tolkien talking to Lewis, the story of Christ is a myth working on us in the same way as other myths with one tremendous difference. He said, it really happened. <laughs> And that woke that woke Lewis up because all of a sudden he began to look at the the gospel stories differently. He used to read them as prescriptive. Now he read them as a hero story, and uh, and Jesus just just flew out of the pages for him. Uh, and he saw uh, he saw you know what Jordan Peterson might call the great archetypal hero in the sense that the greatest, you know, the, the worst possible thing happening to the best possible person, uh, you know, in the sense that this, this just, righteous, merciful, great human being was sacrificed on false charges. And, uh, and, then, and then he had a resurrection story, and, and, uh, and he, he, he came to the conclusion that if Jesus' statements are false, Christianity is of no importance. If true, it is of infinite importance. Yes. The one thing it can't be is moderately important. So he, he really focuses from then on, from that point on, from that Tolkien meeting on, he really focuses on the recorded acts and sayings of Jesus as the determining factor whether or not Christianity is true or false. And I want to go back over that because I think that people, I mean, this is what's very, very important to understand is that people like C.S. Lewis are saying, okay, you know, Christianity is just one more myth because they've got all these other stories about um, great heroes dying and sacrificing themselves for the good of others. But this is in his understanding that this is a, this is something that's written on the heart of humanity, that there's that, that, that this sacrifice, the salvation somehow is needed. This is the story that is woven throughout all humanity, no matter what kind of culture it is. Is that what, what he understood it to be? Well, that's, that's what, uh, what both Tolkien and, and Lewis began, he didn't, you know, he, he wanted to dismiss the fact that there are, you know, a, a thousand and one uh, various religions. In one sense, that's true. But in, in another sense, he said he wanted to know that he, he thought religion was progressive in the sense that it would be a progressive revelation that God revealed himself in these stories that would be, uh, that would be, myths uh, that point to the true myth and and that the, the Christ story is the true myth in which the other myths point to. It is the myth that became fact because it is archetypal and it is written in the hearts of all human cultures that we need to be redeemed. We need someone to sacrifice for us. And that is what the Christ story, and it was all vague in, in, in other uh, religions and became clarified in the story of Jesus. 
And, you know, you see this in the films today, actually. I mean, the whole Marvel Comics Avenger series really is about that. I mean, especially Captain America, you know, sacrificing himself for the, you know, moral, you know, this moral perfection and sacrificing himself. And our hearts still crave that. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, Hollywood would not be Hollywood without this story. Uh, yeah. You know, it is it is a central story, and that's why we go to the movies because we we want to hear this story. And and, and our you know our response is 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 similar to what you said earlier about uh, uh, about Romans one. Uh, you know, it's that we we know the truth and we bury it, we suppress it, uh, and in the suppression, uh, you know, we create lies that have some truth in them, right? But but we don't give. God, the honor and glory and gratitude that he deserves. Uh, and, and we keep looking for substitutes, you know, one that we, you know, one made in our image rather than uh, to, uh, to uh, form reality, you know, to, to mm-hmm. compose, compose reality, compose ourselves to reality as opposed to, to conforming reality to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, in his path to conversion, he talks about some of the literature, the classic literature that he was reading, and how that story of the sacrifice, that foundational story, when he found it in those writings, he liked it. And then when he didn't find it in some of the writings of some of the atheists, you know, I think it was like Virgil or something. I'm not sure. It was one it's, of the it atheists. Was, it was Shaw. It was Voltaire. Shaw. It was Voltaire. Gibbon. That's what it is. G- G- right. Gibbon. And he said they were all entertaining, especially Gibbon, but hardly more. The roughness and density of life did not appear in their books. He said all, this, all the things that appealed to him were those that wrote from this Christian and very religious perspective because they had something about the truth and roughness and reality of real everyday life. And that's interesting that he should find that out even as an atheist, that he was in his mind, he was drawn to in his soul, he was drawn to these kinds of stories, but intellectually that first order, you know, that that suppresses the truth um, would not accept it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was he was drawn. I think I mean, that's the whole idea of reluctance. You know, uh, God was working on him. And and, uh, you know, he says somewhere he says uh, uh, a sound atheist cannot be too careful of his reading, uh, you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, there there's uh, there's pitfalls everywhere. And uh, and I think that's right. Uh, and, and of course, Lewis recognized, and, and here's probably the difference too, is Lewis recognized that if he saw something to be true in an objective, mm-hmm. rational, logical sense, regardless of what his emotional disdain of it became and is, mm-hmm. uh, he felt he would still have to submit to the truth because he, he really, you know, first of all, he, he believed that, uh, and this is another very important part of our, our movie is he said that rock bottom reality has to be intelligent that, and, and what he means by that is, you know, our thoughts are a, uh, a real, uh, connection with something beyond ourselves, something real, something hard outside right. of ourselves. It's not just physics and biochemistry 
atoms colliding in skulls that created our brain, which created our mind, which created our conscience, you know, after millions and millions of years of, of uh, natural selection with random mutations, because, uh, you know, we, we would have a, uh, a reproductive, reproductive advantage over other species. I mean, that's the materialist perspective of what mind is. Right, uh, right. You know, it gives humans an advantage over other species, a sexual advantage over other species, reproductive advantage over other species. You know, that's the best they can do. Right. <laughs> so, so the, the the filming though, the filming because this is based on the play that was yep. uh, on stage, yep. and then the filming of a, a what were the challenges filming? I think you filmed it actually during the pandemic, right? Yeah. Well, it was really it was such a providential time because there was a small window in August of 2020, uh, where the British government was going to open up filmmaking under very strict protocols. Uh, you know, we'd have to take COVID tests all the time and, you know, and, and all that. And if, and if we had a positive COVID test it, 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 with the wrong person, I mean, if I guess if it was an extra, you could just get rid of the extra. But, but if it was, uh, you know, a director or me or, you know, the cinematographer or somebody that, you know, right, you, just, right, right. You, you just have to stop. And, and there was no, you know, and the, and the, the money machine just keeps going, you know, because wow. you got to pay, you gotta pay right, everybody. Right. Yeah. So, and then, and what happens? So, uh, you know, we, we, it's a pretty long story, but, uh, it happened very, very quickly that we, we, we could jump on it. We could get a crew, we could get a cast because nobody had worked since March. So, you know, we had the pick of the litter in terms of crew and cast and, and mm. there was a lot of excitement. And uh, so I, I got on a plane August 31st uh, and flew to London, quarantine, flew to uh, London, uh, quarantined in Oxford for two weeks, began filming in mid-September, finished filming in mid-October. And within a week after we, we finished filming, it shut down again. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> you know, it was such a, a, a gracious, providential act that we were able to make that film. And then a year later, we're open. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It is a fascinating film. And I'll tell you, it will challenge any mind that has made up their mind on on God or not, or, you know, someone who might be seeking, you know, they want to be intellectually challenged because this is not, this is not, you know, grade school primer kind of stuff. I mean, just really interesting. And you got to keep your mind engaged because it's so fascinating what how C.S. Lewis goes through the arguments and why he believed what he believed. And I think that whole beginning, when he actually talks about why all his arguments about why he was an atheist, mm-hmm. and 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 not just you know lukewarm, but made the actual hard intellectual nose. arguments hard yeah, nosed. Yeah, art and I think yeah. that's what's really fascinating. So, where can people see the film now? Um, yeah, well, thankfully, you know, it was it was only scheduled to be you know a one day event cinema on November third, and and it was immediately uh, uh, extended till November seventh. Then it was extended to November eighteenth, and now it's been extended till November twenty fifth. So, I would encourage people to go to cslewismovie dot com uh, and see if there's a theater near you. Uh, cslewismovie dot com. Um, uh, through November 25th. And then uh, I think after, after, you know, we're sort of uh, contractually obligated not to promote anything beyond that. Uh, but after that, there'll be other opportunities to see it, uh, you know, in other channels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Max McLean, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. This has been fascinating talking with you. Great. I love uh, chatting with you, Lauren. Good to, good to get reconnected. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.